0: Welcome to another episode of Earth 2's this, this Week in Comics episode. As you all know, we've been doing something for This Week in Comics where we're highlighting um, black comic book creators for the you know, for Black History Month. And last week we had Ruben, and for those of you that listened and supported, I want to thank you very much for listening to that episode. This week we have a very, very special guest, a uh, uh, an accomplished uh, comic book creator, someone who's really accomplished in the game. Robert Roach. Uh, go ahead and talk, uh, introduce yourself, Robert.
1: Greetings everyone, uh, my name is Robert Roach. I live in the Los Angeles area. In addition to comics, I work in the entertainment industry doing storyboards, concept art, these types of things. i uh, done that for the last couple of decades. In addition to that, and the comics. I also teach at Otis College of Art in their extension program. I teach on um, quick sketch, perspective, storyboarding, these types of things, and dabble in a few other things, but nothing illegal.
0: All right. Nothing illegal. <laughs> okay. As you all know, This Week in Comics is run with myself and Ziggy. Ziggy, go ahead and say what's up. Nice to
2: see you guys, like always. Uh, hopefully we do a good show this weekend.
0: Yeah, you know hopefully. Always? Yeah, hopefully.
2: Hopefully, I won't let you down there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's more—it's more of us <laughs> than anything.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, and special guest who you know from our uh, what's the name of that show? Runaways, Runaways, um, discussion group. Brianna, Brianna, go ahead and say what's up to the uh, Earth Two Comic Cast people.
3: Hello.
0: <laughs> All Hi, right okay so as you all know what we'll be doing this week in comics first of all is we highlight what we've read and you know this is usually a bi-weekly uh robert this is a bi-weekly episode so we usually highlight okay. what we've read you know in the past couple of weeks so what you know not necessarily read what caught our attention what caught our eyes okay. you know what what you know what we think we're going to read or what we've been reading you know leading up to the episode so it may have been a story we've been catching Let's up on. yes pretty much so uh, you're new to the show. Myself and Ziggy, we run the show and we've been doing it for a couple, we've done a couple episodes. We even did one for the end of last year, which is really interesting. But um, you're new to the show. I'm going to assume that you read some comic books on the side. Yes, I do. Okay. So, is there anything in the last month, month and a half, couple weeks, even in the last year or anything in particular that sparked your interest that you've seen and you said "Hmm, this is really interesting. You got into it and you know, you know, were you weren't wrong.
1: One thing that I would like to highlight is uh, "Noble," which is by uh, Catalyst Prime, Line Forge people. Nice. Uh, I must say that I'm biased because uh, I'm well acquainted with the writer, Brandon uh. Thomas, and I'm—I say I'm good friends with the editor of uh, the whole Catalyst Prime line, Joe Illich. So I am biased there. Hands of the artist. And so uh, I've been picking up that. And what I really like about the storyline is it's not just a superhero. It's not just people of color. It's a couple. Mm. And uh, within the storyline, even though the husband is heroic, and well, I guess initially he's anti-heroic, uh, but in terms of being capable and just kicking much ass, it's the wife, and uh, I love. You have to go back to last year to get the the first few issues, but the uh, issue two, when she realizes that uh, her husband is isn't dead as she had been told, and he's pretty much lost. And as we find out later, he's uh, a bit amnesiac. Um, the the final frame of that. Issue as she's leaving her son with uh, her gran- with his grandmother is I'm going to get daddy, and I'm like yeah okay go handle your business girl, so <laughs> it, it's it's worth a look and more and more nowadays since I'm an indie I try to pay more attention to indies or uh, stuff that the principal shop owners may not pick up. Okay. Uh, I think it's only fair if I expect that kind of love, um, I should give that kind of love. I I don't think me not picking up an extra Batman or an extra X-book or uh, an extra Spider-Man or something like that is going to bankrupt Marvel or DC or Disney or Time Warner or whatever you want to call them. So. Uh I, I'm trying to pay more attention to this type of stuff.
0: Okay. Okay. That's that's awesome. And I really appreciate that. So on the show, usually on This Week in Comics, anything that we highlight, anything that we talk about, we're also recommending. So do you recommend this to the listeners? Do you are you telling them to go pick this oh, up? Definitely. I
1: definitely uh noble um uh bears man and slip of mine. I wanna say supreme. Uh another line by then I'm really trying to follow Kellis. Follow Catalyst Prime because I know a lot of the creators there, okay. and they're not—they're getting uh, critical of, but they're not getting what I think they should in the broader community. Because we get stuck, we you know we're all guilty of this unless we willfully tell ourselves not to. We, we buy what we've always bought, right? And um, maybe what we've always bought isn't the best thing. And so I am trying to follow those books I mentioned. Uh, uh, Supreme, and I hope I get it right, or else because if I don't, Ray Anthony's going to kick my butt. <laughs> but a friend of mine, Ray Anthony, uh, is uh, drawing that title, and so uh, I know some of the people who are doing stuff there. And, and Ray's done stuff at DC Marvel, so it's not like it's not like he sucks, and somebody threw him a bone. Right, like you know, brothers, very very talented. And so, you know, like you see Ray A. Height on a book, you know, it's going to be good. You see Brandon Thomas's name on a book, you know, it's going to be good. Uh, They're getting really good reviews, but somebody will go out and pick up uh, a Justice League copy rather than their book. Uh, Great example. Um, I can't remember, Mukhtar, if I sent you the link to uh, the review that meant through my comic.
0: Yes, you did. You did.
1: You know, if if you looked at some of the other books, you know, like I'm not mad,
2: uh-huh. but
1: somebody else pointed out to me, I, I noticed it before, but someone else pointed out to me that my review was the only one that didn't have the cover artwork on
0: it. Yes, this I, is true, yes, this is true.
1: I was like, let it go. I'm glad that Newsarama actually wrote something about us. That That's a big coup.
0: Right? Yes, it is.
1: If, if you're talking about the comics industry, you know, you have and Newsorama and Bleeding Cool, who are at the front of that pack. There are others in the pack, but they're at the front of it. And for them to spend a paragraph on an indie that has been produced black and white uh, is is a is a big thing. And so, love they loved Hannibal Taboo's story. The Hannibal a shout out, my boy working at uh, the Operative Network, um, and. I, I was pleased that they gave us the love, but there's something else that I noticed that uh, was really, really cool. Um, they gave us 7 out of 10 stars.
0: Yes. But
1: that Justice League story in there, they only gave it 5 out of 10 stars. Uh, Justice so League we, is suffering. Hey, and people still buy it.
0: As a reader, Justice League is suffering, and I read Justice League, so I can tell you that on you know it's on a personal level I yeah so we
1: smoke because you know what was cool about it Uh, I I apologize for for jumping but I'm not on your line but uh, what was cool about it all is um, the criticisms about our publication mainly about the fact that the work wasn't inked and it wasn't colored and some of the lettering obscured the artwork well, we're planning to ink it. What they saw and thought was the final final product is simply part of the process. Uh, Larry Welch has already inked the first three pages of uh, the first chapter. Uh, Corey Green, my colorist, has the flats, and so he's going to start playing around with the colors. So it gave us seven out of ten, but the merits for the stuff we haven't done yet. After we do it what you gonna give
0: us then? 10 out of 10 I can imagine <laughs> I can imagine that once you know you know the, Just because I read it the only drawbacks like you said like you highlighted was the inking and the coloring and you know the lettering I read it and I thought those were nitpicks if anything because then again it may have been because you sent me you know the you know you in the email you sent me you said um, you know this is something that is gonna happen. So I'm looking at yes. it like this, you know, this is a nitpick. Again, you know, someone who doesn't know, you know, wouldn't understand, yes. wouldn't understand. So I can't really fault them for that. But uh, thank you for not your... i rest- them
1: at all. Yeah, not yeah. not mad at all. Yeah. So but thank but you for it, the... But
0: it I'm
3: sorry.
1: It was interesting that, that one, the two things that we are going to address were the only things they could say, you need to address this. So <laughs>
0: Right, right. No one came for your story. No one came for anything else. It was literally just that. They
1: said the artwork was detailed and really cool. The story, the the story flow was fine. All right, cool. All
0: right, fantastic. Thank you for your recommendation. So it was supreme, mm-hmm. and it was supreme and noble, noble. 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 All right, fantastic. And so we-
1: there, and there are a lot of other Catalyst Prime uh, books out there that you should consider. And you know, I, I'm not trying to slight anything else. Okay. are uh, at the front of my head, uh, a couple of the books are on my nightstand. So if you ask me what I'm playing around with, that's what's playing around in my head right now. It's okay,
0: because down in the comments, uh, down in the uh, description box, I'll let you guys know what those books are again, and we'll try to get you guys links to you know where to find them. Uh, Brianna, are you reading? Have you read? Are you you know catching up? Is there anything you want to catch up to up on something you're reading?
3: Um, I just read a comic adaptation of Octavia Butler's novel, Kindred, and that was really cool, uh, and it yeah. was really sad,
0: uh, mm-hmm. but
3: I, I really liked it. Um, Does, does manga count? Cause I just picked up a manga that I'm excited about. Sure.
0: Manga sure. is, I mean, it's not just, we're not just talking about um, comics, American comics here.
1: What about good stuff. It?
0: Yes. So if you want to, if you want to drop it, go ahead and drop it.
3: So I haven't read it yet, but it's called Cells at Work and it's like it's a char- the, first, the main character is a blood cell and so it's basically in the body and they're, oh. like, they're like delivering like carbon dioxide carbon carbon dioxide and like oxygen and so I'm really excited about it. I just really that like that. But... Yeah,
0: yeah, biology and comics. That's interesting. That's definitely interesting. Ziggy as you... an
1: aside as, as okay. an aside um my friend, John Jennings, grew Kendrick uh, and um, his, his writing partner, who's also a friend, uh, Damian Duffy. They uh, collaborated on the adaptation. And it's just don't, don't fool or anything because it's out of love. I'm missing their premiere tonight at a museum about uh, black uh, comic art and stuff. I'm uh,
0: so sorry. <laughs> they
1: just, no, they just know it's their fault. They sprung that on me at the last minute, saying that it was going to happen. I said, "No, I got things to do."
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very much, um, Ziggy. Do you want to go ahead and talk about yours, or do you want me to go first? Because I feel like you have a list.
2: Uh, uh, well, I got three. I'm just going to go with three. Okay, uh, keep it controlled. Um, so the first one is I, I'm, I will, I'm a Marvel boy, so. Uh, the first one I uh, will point out is I read this week was X Men Red. Uh, obviously, Jean Grey is back, and I know how much like fans of like like Marvel and X Men are so groaning, being like, "She's back again." Can we <laughs> please just stop repeating the story. Which I agree with. I definitely agree with. But she is a character that I do enjoy, and if it's going to be, if she's going to have to come back, I would rather be written a good story than a bad story. Right. So. so if we're going to go through it, uh, like let's make it a good one. So she's back, and I'm very interested. It um, very seen it's just the start. Um, she's a start the team, and it's just basically it's. It looks like I hope it's going. on so far, is it looks like their writers looking to really address like the world that we live in now, and uh, trying to like address that. This is a very, very like. It's a. We're in a crazy point in time that history is being made and things are happening and it's really interesting to see if they're willing to like see how far they go into it because if we all know the x Men's original start it was supposed to be like something addressing what the political turmoil and what was happening in America yes. at the time and it's good to see that, and I think that's been lost over the years, yeah. Uh, it's fun. X-Men is still always supposed to be fun, but at the same time, I, I really enjoy when comics are willing to like connect to people and really embrace what the people are feeling, and that's the whole point, right? We want to see what we feel reflect in comics, so I'm hoping that first issue is just a start, but we'll see how that goes. Um, that one I enjoyed. Uh, Mo will like this. I Well, I don't know if he's specifically like this, but uh, I've I enjoyed a DC comic this week. Yes,
0: finally. Finally. It
2: happened. <laughs> I said Super Sons. Um, yes. And it's inter- interesting. I've already talked about this one this week is uh the Mother Panic Batman special. And nice. I haven't done too much of the young animal stuff, but I I, I know what it is. I know it's kind of like DC kind of like gives writers a little bit more free reign to write whatever the comic, which honestly, that's always what I enjoy is. Writers write the story that they're, they they want to write, not the story that like DC or Marvel heads are are only allowing them write. Because I feel like when you ha- when you have someone telling what you can or can't write, that it kind of kills the whole point. Um, so Mother Panic, uh, I haven't read too much of the of that series, but they did their their special for DC that doing their like Milk War special, which is kind of crossing their Young Animal lines with their uh, main properties. Mm-hmm. um i enjoyed it um it was really interesting to see how a kind of a, a like a young writer like a writer who doesn't have like all these kind of limiters to write a, a story that they want using batman which doesn't happen to often. right um right. And putting him as the like see him be saved by a hero that's not well known it's kind of cool and interesting to see so i really enjoyed that um and then, uh, last one is for me, my indie, I'm always, the indie, I'm telling you, the indies are the best stories right now, uh, <laughs> is, uh, Grave Diggers Union, uh, Union, um, it's by Image, it's Wes Craig, uh, and Toby Cypress, um, I really enjoy this one so far, it was an interesting start, it's a, kind of like this idea, is like this world where, like, kind of the supernatural is a, a part of society, and this Grave Digger Union's kind of like, huge. Finds the world from it, and it's kind of like this interesting approach to kind of treat the supernatural as anything else. If it was real here, we would have to deal with like a job and how they have a union, and how that works, and the like politics of it. And really cool to see, and I really enjoy it. Um, not to give too much, but like basically the main character kind of like is cult, and he leads the team. Um, and hit he, it's he's been doing it for years, but uh, it seems to be some like something, uh like a cult is out there that is looking to change this world and how it is, and it looks like it's such an interesting style because it, his daughter might be the antagonist of the story. So it's kind of creating that interesting like, thing where it's like, you get to see where, like, I think I really enjoy exploring how, how they've gone so different and what happened because there's obviously, there is love, but there's also anger between the uh the father and the daughter and you can see it's interesting we can start as they're both going through their adventure in the world and how they're building up their like faction or side you also get to explore what's been happened what happened in between time like why they have their this part so i've been enjoying that one so far so uh, i'm uh, hopefully that one keeps going and keeps doing this thing
0: fantastic. but those are
2: my comics that's
0: cool that's very fantastic you know what's funny um you're talking about you read uh something out the young animal line you know the um milk wars i actually picked up um jla and uh um, um was it jla and young you know was it young doom patrol yeah yeah yes yeah jla and doom patrol uh last this week so that was pretty interesting i thought again like you said it's something where you know different you know they they handle these characters different it was vixen the ray um lobo uh um killer frost superman uh, you know all different iterations of these you know really ingrained characters so you know it's a it's a writer taking these characters that have that have been ingrained and doing something different with them especially especially mixing it um, mixing them with the doom patrol and that world which is already psychedelic so it's like taking these you know characters from their normal or regular and, and putting them in this you know, in this uh extreme or or psychedelic world, and and just seeing how you can make things happen with them, I always think when DC or even when a major comic book uh, um, house does something like that, it's always interesting. You know, this is why I think the indies are starting to you know be a lot better, and people are starting to read a lot more indies, is because uh, uh you know there's a lot less restriction on the art on the writer and the artist. It's like you can do whatever comic book you want to do, and however you can write it, however you want to write it. You know, it's like you want to write a Superman story, but you have to. You know write what you know in, in, in a way or you have to write the story to go with you know what they're you know whatever the you know the the um overall arc you know arc is like if you're writing batman you have to write him in a way if you're writing the flash you have to write him in a way where you know you know what happened in red death has to kind of like line up into the flash's book so i like seeing when you know young artists or indie artists are given or you know writers and artists to give in something where it's like you know just do what you want to do so that um uh, doom patrol and jla is something that i'm reading and i want to read more of what's going on in that line i actually did read an indie book this week um the beauty uh what? yeah <laughs> the beauty uh jeremy Hunt, he's doing something really fantastic with that book and it was it's always you know when um Uh, Vito uh, told me about the beauty. I I was like, I I'll pick it up. So I reluctantly picked up the first issue, and I ended up going back to pick up the first volume. So it's that good, and I want everyone to read it because it's something. If I you know, it's like a disease or sexually transmitted disease where everyone becomes like a prettier version or the prettiest version of themselves. So, but what you don't know is in six to eight months that um disease actually becomes you know kills you. So people are anxious to get this disease like you know actors or actresses or waitresses or people who work in sales you know if if that's your career if that's your platform you want to have the beauty because it's something that could push you into a better position in life but it's also are you yeah. willing to risk you know the disease or are you willing to risk um risk what you could get from that disease and you know they've, they've dealt with a couple of um issues they've dealt with the serial killer they've dealt with you know an assassin uh, a trans assassin you know, they've dealt with so many issues that again, with with the way the beauty's done, it's done in a way where they're talking about sociopolitical stuff, but it's also very you know, it's also very comic booky. You know, it's like, oh, it's comic book, but it's also very important because it's like, oh, the drug, you know, the drug or the medicine industry, you know, the medicine industry or, or the uh, pharmaceutical industry, there we go. You know, they're all producing, you know, cures or cure alls. I and mean, you know, instead of producing a cure all, you're producing something that's gonna you know not cure you you know f- to the full extent you know it's gonna keep you coming back to buy more medicine it's like exactly. why haven't we invented a flu shot that can just kill the flu why is it uh hundreds of years later people are still dying from the common cold it's like things like that wait, 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 wait.
3: the flu is because it mutates every year which is why you need a new one every year
0: well this is something isn't it yes it, it, it's, oh, that look, is, there it is that is the truth <laughs> But it's also something that you know we can always plan ahead for. Why are we trying to catch up to it when we could? I really feel you know I feel personally again you know someone you know who's in the sciences. I feel like there's stuff that we can catch up to that we you know we're, I'm sorry stuff that we can plan ahead for. I feel like we're playing catch up with everything, or we're not being told the whole truth. But yes, you're right about the flu. You know why are we still playing catch up with the flu as opposed to getting ahead of it? Again, the common cold. It's the common cold mutating every year that we can't, ca- you know, catch up and and get that get rid of that. We just got rid of polio, you know. Why can't we get rid of? it? Hey, but you know, it's whatever. But the beauty kind of touches on stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay, well, especially on this arc or this, arc, yeah, this arc right now we're dealing with the company, of Berry Berico, uh, Corp. Um, they are producing a drug to instead of cure the beauty, you know, that's what they were trying to do was cure the beauty. or that's what. Some of the scientists were thinking they were about to do was cure the beauty, but they're instead they're creating a disease that oh well, they're creating a, a drug that kills people faster or something. I'm sorry, I will go back and catch up to it. You know, I just started the arc, so I'll go back and read it and catch up and on the next shot correct myself. But those are the two that I really have been enjoying that I've been reading. And again, I just started the new arc of the beauty. So that is this week in comics. Now we're about to get into the main reason we're here is to talk to Mr. Robert Roach about his comics and why he got into, you know, what he's doing and, you know, everything else that he's doing besides comics but, um I'm sorry guys, before we go into this, I would like Mr. Roach, uh, Mr. Roach to tell us about his
1: book. Uh, uh, my, Mr. Roach Mr. Roach was my dad's name All right. if, if you're 18 years old or younger, okay, Mr. Roach is fine, other than that, I'm just Robert
0: alright, um, Sorry about that. I like uh, Robert to tell us about his books, uh, *Menthu* and *The Roach*, because uh, I have information about those. But it's always better if you know Robert, you know, goes ahead and you know describes not in um deep, not in full detail. Just tell us a little bit about you know what those books are and you know yeah, just yeah, just tell us about those books. Uh,
1: well, *Menthu*'s tagline is uh, ancient Egypt. Uh, slash, uh, modern L.A.'s ultimate acting hero, uh, he's African-American, uh, but his dad, turns out in the storyline, is actually, uh, ancient Egypt's god of war, and, um, machinations and politicking within that Egyptian pantheon from millennia past have culminated in, uh, this father uh, siring a son, and his initial goal was to help to uh, not necessarily uh, reincarnate, but to bring back a friend of his uh, named Menthu, who was uh, unjustly forced to, uh, for lack of a better comparison, Kmetseppuku, and, and has a chance to Right this wrong. He has a son. And that's when everything goes out the window because he loves the son, but this plan is in motion. Put that all to the side because that all happens before the first issue. That's the backstory. first issue starts off when he first realizes he has these powers. And after realizing that he has these powers, uh, what do you do? What's, What's the answer? And the answer is found in in, uh, the Tajus art, Uh, ancient Egyptian's equivalent of Olympus. So he goes to that underworld and of course he has to survive a bunch of stuff and uh, he finds out more about who he is, starts to mend fences with his dad because uh, if I had been told that I was born just to be a vessel of convenience, I'd be pissed. And so they have to deal with that, and uh, and they do. And so that four-issue arc ends, and then five through seven, he's back in L.A., he's doing his thing, and it's standard superhero affair, but not um, one thing that I don't believe the comics industry does well is tell and set story in LA Um, New York is fine Marvel's New York out the ass Um, (laughs) we can make up uh, fictitious cities like Metropolis and Central City and all these types of places um, but folks still don't get it right Um, there's still some comics set that are being done today set in LA that do not feel like LA um, for example, if you are on what L.A. calls the Miracle Mile, a lot of Art Deco, a lot of wide roads and old school buildings and all that kind of stuff and you'll see somebody sets part of a story in the Wilshire or the Miracle Mile and it looks generic. That part of the city can't look generic. If you're going to know anything about L.A., you know that you can go down a street for two miles and it's the most gorgeous place you've ever seen two miles further and you're middle of, in the middle of a war zone two miles further you're in the middle of middle class and then two miles after that you're in another uh exclusive area that's just how the city is and all these neighborhoods laying upside each other and the korean community in la is more populous than anywhere outside Seoul. People don't know that. That's why there's so much Korean in town. Uh, As far as Southern California is concerned, that still goes through for the Vietnamese community. goes through for the Armenian community. It goes through with so many different communities. A lot of people think of New York as a very, very Jewish town, and and it is. But there are more Jewish people living in L.A. than anywhere else in America. So, yes, so there are all, all these opportunities, storytelling opportunities, if you know the city well, and can bring all of these people rubbing their elbows against each other, and at the same time, really blow up a lot of this stuff.
0: Okay. Okay, that's awesome. And so, Manthu is about L.A., or pretty much superhero in L.A. So
2: quick question, mm-hmm.
0: quick question. It's Is it... <laughs> Brianna's going to uh, probably kick my ass for this one. So it's nothing like The Runaways, right?
1: <laughs> no. Okay. Because
0: <laughs> they paint they paint L.A. a little differently. You know, especially with the TV show that just dropped. They paint L.A. very differently <laughs> than from what it really is. But, you know, it's nice. Uh,
1: L.A. is a lot of things. That's that's, that's its beauty and its, and its strength. But... It also can trip up storytellers if uh, you say, oh, I'm going to set this story here, or I'm going to set this story here. I mean, if you can have a great story set in East Bel or Boyle Heights, but know the history, know that, yeah, that's where Latinos live now, but why are they there? You know, Um, why was the freeway built separating that part of town from downtown? and why is the Sixth Street Bridge important? You know, you don't have to make that the, the principal part of your storytelling, but knowledge of that can give more profundity to even something that you give fluff to because you'll set the camera at a certain place, and, you know, like as the person who principally writes and illustrates in my books, you know, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the storytelling, where I'm going to place the camera, where this action is going to flow, and therefore, in this background, what do I want to show? What do I want people to see that makes them really feel like they are in this place? Like this story that I'm telling that's completely fantastic it really happened because we have grounded it so well.
0: Okay, that's fantastic. So uh, we have a couple questions for you, you know, based on what you do and I scare
1: next turn and ask. <laughs> All
0: right, so we're ready to go.
1: Okay. So
3: um, I have the first question. When did you first decide that you wanted to create your own comics as a career?
1: Um, not till I was in high school or college. You know, when I was younger, of course, I wanted to uh, illustrate. It was something that I loved to do and something that I thought I was good at. And then I saw Walt Simonson's artwork, and it made my brain explode as an elementary school student. And so, wow, you can get paid to do something like that. And that led me toward comics. And then um, I started to have ideas. Um, Roach is a great example because I first came up with that idea of this anti hero set in Prohibition at that point in time, uh, and my college years. And so I, I just looked around and I, I realized well, what I have in my head is way outside the stereotype but everybody who looks at it is going to think oh you're ripping off the spirit oh you're ripping off the shadow which is bs I almost cussed, but i didn't i left it alone mm-hmm. um and because most of the folks who do that are critics who never crack it open and uh, what's so cool about uh the road is um, It's very, very, it's an opportunity to critique social political situations that have continued throughout time, um, but set it in that place. Because sometimes when we talk about stuff in real time, people uh, become very defensive or they are overly sensitive to anything that might seem like them that's cast in a negative light. If you place it in another time and say, oh no, 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 we're not talking about you. Well, we're, we're talking about this group of people. And they go, oh, okay, maybe take in some of that information and a conversation can grow from that. Um, what was cool about the Roach, well, number one cool thing about the Roach is uh, winning the Glyph Award for that. That was, I won the Anarchal uh, Rising Star Glyph Award for the Roach, which blew my mind because here I am writing. Um, uh, I don't know if y'all can see me. Maybe you can't, but I am black. And uh, <laughs> uh, here I am writing this period piece set in Chicago about a white anti hero and the arguably the biggest convention that's absolutely about black characters or black creators is Ekbach in Philly. And they gave me the award for the best indie comic for this story about this anti hebrew I thought, okay, that, that works. And Mm -hmm. then a lot of the reviews, one, one great review was by a really, really cool guy. Um, and Mike, um, said, and, uh, his review of the road um, after I finished it in two thousand nine was the best miniseries in all of comics. DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, whatever. My story was the best story.
2: Nice. So That's this this is athlete.
1: this is the stuff that, that makes it worthwhile for me, mm-hmm. and um, it makes it enables me to look at some of the. Crit, the critiques that don't even really read it and say okay uh, uh lady back in the day when i released Menthu, um she read and she was oh here comes another black superhero and mm-hmm. oh more of the same thing yeah oh and they said the egyptian thing and she really didn't read it and she she put up her review and i wrote her back i said <laughs> I don't mind if you like it or you don't like it. I mind that it's obvious to me that you didn't read it. You say you want something new. You say you want something different. Well, here's a father and son story in a superhero book with black principals, and they're adults. And in this issue, here's a black man embracing his grown black son, kissing him and saying, I love you. Where else have you seen that again for you to say that this is just like everything else? I I, I went in and I did six years of research to make sure that I didn't go back and call people Osiris and Isis and all this kind of stuff. I used the Egyptian names. I used the Egyptian places. I made sure that I read some of the old stories so that the characterizations of these gods were reflective of what's actually in things like the Book of the Dead and such. And they're bare. And you're coming out and telling me that I'm doing just what everybody else has done. Nice. I don't mind if, if you go in and you say that I hadn't done it well. That's cool. You're, you're entitled to that. But when you don't read it and you diss it and say, in your dissing, gee, I wish it was like what's actually in there, I can tell you didn't read it. And she wrote me back and she apologized and said, You're right. I apologize. I won't do that again.
0: Check her. Check her. All right. <laughs> i'm sorry um i have a question um so who has been your biggest influence on who's been the biggest influence on you outside the comic industry and how did they affect your life
1: my parents my parents undoubtedly um my um i'm very much like both of them um much love to them i know they're uh, they both passed away and got nothing but love for what they had done for me in my life. Um, my dad was always very analytical. Um, in fact, my dad is the person who first showed me how to draw. Um, I was three years old and he was yeah. doing a schematic or something like that and uh, I remember he was sitting on a blue sofa and he was drawing something left-handed and I was looking at him, and I asked him what he was doing, and he said, well, I'm drawing something, and he said, would you like to draw something? I said, yeah, and he said, what would you like to draw? Since we live close to uh, about half a block away from a train track, um, I could hear the train going by, and I said, I want to draw a choo-choo train, so that was the first thing I ever drew. Um, So my dad, in terms of personality, how I analyze things and such, I got a lot from him, but as far as raw talent, uh, all from my mom. My mom was so talented as a pianist and as a songwriter. She was the uh, mistress of music at my church when I was a boy. Growing up, she would write cantatas, all kinds of stuff, teach music. phenomenally, phenomenally talented lady. So whatever I got in terms of talent came from her and whatever i got in terms of trying to do something with the talent i got from my dad
0: that's awesome thank you very much for that
2: so uh robert i just want to ask because that going off that is who is uh who would you say probably was the biggest influence on your comics career specifically and like how did they help you change, like evolve your work oh man
1: uh, i mentioned walt simonson because he made my head Go so gooey and ooze out my ears when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I I never really wanted to draw like somebody. It's wild to, for me to say that I love Simon's work because I don't draw anything like him. Right. But I, I, I'm a big, big fan. And of course, you know, it's the same—the boilerplate stuff. Seventies uh, through eighties, you're talking about the Neil Adamses and all that kind of stuff. And then you like when um, when the guys from Marvel split off and create Image, and everybody is ooing and eyeing over the image way of drawing things and so it's impossible not to be influenced by folks like that and um it's great to have friends in the industry um um uh, a really, really good friend of mine is uh Katya, uh supreme artist out of Japan and then you know uh all kinds of folks. I'm like uh, I'm going blank as a Boston. But I became friends with uh, one of the guys I will mention, uh, Paul Smith. Uh, any of you X-Men fans know his stuff from way, way, way back in the day. I, I ran into him in in the '80s. I ran into him at a um, uh, at a convention to get some feedback, and he was very, very helpful. Turned me on to Andrew Loomis, who really enabled me to. Uh, Developed my anatomy and that kind of stuff. Um, I was a big fan going up of Mike Grell when he was doing The Warlord and stuff like that. And uh, what's wild is um, I grew up, I was in elementary and uh, junior high, high school and stuff before the internet existed. Before we even thought that the internet could exist. And somehow... I can't even remember how I did it, but I tracked down Mike Rell's phone number when he lived in Wisconsin. And as a kid, I called him and like, he said, this is my first hand phone call. And, uh, but I had some sense. I didn't become a burden or a bother to him. And I would just send him a postcard or something like that every two or three years. Uh, so that when I finally caught up with him, um, it was while it was, uh, he, I waited in line with nothing to sign, and um, uh, when I got up front, he said, "Well, you know, you didn't have to wait in line just to talk to me." I said, "Well, I've waited longer to meet you." He said, "Well, who are you?" And I was hemming and hawing and couldn't get it out. And then he said, "No, no, what's your name?" I said, "Robert Roach." And he stood up, he shook my hand, says, "Damn, it's good to meet you after all these years." So I was like, "Okay, that that, that was nice." <laughs> <laughs> so so. Um, Great guys that have helped me develop. Um, uh, Gary Gianni, uh, I consider Gary a friend. He was very, very helpful as I tried to develop. Um, I've worked uh, at Malibu inside the uh, offices as a cleanup artist and such, and the guys there helped me out. I'm still friends with them. Uh, so. I can't say that I wanted to be like somebody in the industry. I just wanted to be as professional as I possibly could be. I wanted to tell stories as well as I possibly could, and a bunch of these folks. Since I am principally self-taught, a bunch of these, folk, of these folks helped me do exactly this.
2: Nice, great to see.
1: So uh, please, please know that uh, you know. Like, I, I, I hope that anybody who's listening or watching. Uh, Go up and talk to people in our Go up there, you know, go with a good attitude. Know that you have two ears and one mouth, so you should listen twice <laughs> as much. <laughs> but I guarantee you, 90 to 95 percent of the people, there are really, really cool. And unless they're really busy or really, really tired, they're going to be nice to you and give you positive feedback. Now, if you act like you know everything, uh, they're going to look like you just walked across the house with mud on your shoes. <laughs> but if, if you if you know how to act, you're going to get really cool feedback. So so don't be afraid to go up and talk to people. I, whenever somebody comes over to me and says, oh, I like to draw, I immediately say, well, let me see what you got. Mm-hmm. and if I didn't, I left it at home. I don't do that. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. The only thing you can get is information that can help you improve you.
3: So, um, you said six years of research. So, what do you do when you need to recharge your creative batteries?
1: See somebody else's creative stuff. (laughs) That's way for me to do it, man. I mean, man. I mean, there's so much creativity around us. Uh, And sometimes, when you're working on stuff, you get tunnel vision, and and you're just there, and you need to get up and step away, and See somebody else do something well. Not applaud someone else's efforts. That helps me recharge and get
0: myself right. Nice. nice. Um, so, you know, again, you uh, back uh, hopping off on, hopping on uh, Bree's question. You said six years of research. So like when you're going into something, can you describe your work routine? Like how is, you know, what do you do? You know, tunnel vision or do you try to like soak in things from everywhere else? You know what what's your work routine like whether it's your comics or you know storyboarding
1: um, I think well I know my routine uh, depends on the demands of the job okay. and the job is the bottom line uh, there have been times when I've had to work 18 hours because the turnaround is really tight and you have to grind Um. But you also, within that grind, need to know that if you're getting diminished returns from trying to make that effort, step away. It's good. I tell students all the time, get up, walk away for five minutes. Uh, great example. Um, It's very easy, especially if you're just beginning as a board artist start to draw everything from the same perspective. Everything is here in front of you at about three quarter and the camera is just set in the static place. It's sort of like uh, Wes Anderson and you're just stuck there forever. Uh, <laughs> that's not a diss. I, I love the storytelling. So um, get up and walk away. But when you need to draw this, why don't you sit on the floor? Because where you position yourself will inform the art that you're executing.
3: Hmm.
1: And so uh, maybe if I sit on the floor, I'm going to start to draw an up angle and all of a sudden uh, everything is going to change and the storytelling will get stronger and then I'll have newer thoughts and my flow picks up again. Um, That's one way to address stuff. Um, Take in all kinds of information from everywhere. That doesn't mean use everything. That means have this store of knowledge so that your storytelling can become more precise. So that's how I approach what oh. I do. Same thing. Oh. if you were writing, I would say understand grammar, understand vocabulary, understand cadence, understand how people talk as opposed to what your thesaurus may tell you. And apply this, you know, Shakespeare was a great writer, not because he wrote, properly every time, he knew the rules he was breaking and how he was breaking them and purpose for it. Understand anatomy. If you're going to change something or break a rule, break it from knowledge. If you're going to play with perspective and you're going to warp something or you're going to twist something, uh, draw something that's really not applicable to reality, but it works in the storytelling. Having that as your base in terms of knowledge enables you to work from strength towards strength.
2: Mm. Going off that, Robert, I actually want to ask you too, is because like just going on you like your art and your uh, writing. You've done like all that you've done coloring, lettering, inking. I seen okay. penciling. I see all of that. So and I okay. see a, just going off that. You, I see a drawing board behind you. Like I, yeah. I want to know like not- what kind. All the, t- like, what tools do you use? Like, what, uh, do, you, do you have a specific things that you use for your, like, when you're creating a comic on what different, different parts, or do you just use it? Like, do you stick to the drawing board? I just, like, what tools do you use? Um, I'm glad that you used the word
1: uh, tool, Ziggy, because that's exactly what I refer, how I refer to everything. Mm. Uh, pencil is a tool, an eraser is a tool, stylus is a tool. Computer is a tool, Photoshop is a tool, Illustrator is a tool. They're all tools, mm-hmm. and some tools have a number of different applications. Some tools only have one application. So it could be that that one application kicks much ass and it's irreplaceable. It could be that the multi-use of a different tool makes it irreplaceable. Uh, so uh, similar to my answer before in terms of my work, as far as tools are concerned, it depends what, my, uh, what the artwork dictates. For example, if I'm doing work on the roach, that's all of my artwork. It's everything from the, from the story's beginning to when it goes to uh, a printer is me. And so to execute the roach, I definitely work in fude pen, uh, do you guys know what a fude pen is? I don't know. you do
3: not. Know, no. I don't. No.
1: Okay, a fude pen is... Okay, cool. Fine. <laughs> uh, y'all ain't stupid because you don't know what a fude pen is. <laughs> not, <laughs> uh, a a fude pen is a Japanese calligraphy brush. Oh. And um, I'm lucky my sister-in-law uh, will ship them to me from Japan every once in a while. And so I can get really precise... Uh, uh, feathering, and it's very, very easy to do what I call an organic line, uh, going from thin to fat, to fat to thin again, and herbaceous, and all that kind of stuff. It really allows me to go in with precision uh, since I'm working in finished inks in that, using microns, uh, rapidographs, pulpic ends of various sizes and such. But to finish everything else off, I have to take it into uh, Photoshop, and I work with a variety of textures, and black and white is so much harder than color. A lot of people look at Menthu and the Roach, and they'll say, oh, man, the Roach took no time. I said, man, the Roach takes three times more effort than mm-hmm. Menthu does, uh, because if you think about it for a second, I don't have the uh, luxury... Of putting blue next to red and your eyes seeing the difference. Mm. I'm putting gray next to gray. Mm. And so what is the difference? Is the difference too much? If is is it too little? I'm gonna to have to be consistent with this gray throughout this book. So when I put it next to another gray, how are they gonna work? And how are these textures working with the tone, with the grayscale tone that we're putting down and these types of things? A lot of considerations have to go into that artwork, mm-hmm. Whereas Whereas um, Ben Thu, uh, nowadays I just do the pencils, Larry does the inks, again, Larry Welch, excellent illustrator, he's been like a rash throughout the uh, comics industry since the early 90s, and a younger guy, uh, Corey Green out of Chicago does the colors, so I don't have to do all of that, so I just work with my pencil on that. Um, I'm working on another project. It may uh, be developed into uh, a comic book miniseries, but it's called Line of Judah. And with Line of Judah, I am doing, uh, Well, Line of Judah talks about uh, the post-colonial Africa and Caribbean world, um, and goes back, probably about a century, talking about Africa as it was then, uh, the development of certain countries there. Ethiopia is very, very big in the storyline, but it's done through the prism of Reggae and the original whalers. So Bob Marley's in there, um, uh, Bunny Whalers in there, uh, Peter is in there. So. Um the originals are there. And in fact, we, the guy who wrote it, his name is Menelik Makar. Um, did a wonderful job as far as the scripts are concerned. And he's the one that brought me on board. Uh, and in terms of it as a um, TV production, they asked me to do the concept designs. And so uh, we're taking moments that there isn't any visuals for. Uh, for example, when um, when Bunny, Peter, and Bob were in, um, when they were selling books at in Jamaica, their own record store called Waylam Solem. Like there aren't any pictures of Waylam Solem, uh, but getting photographs referenced for them at that age and then drawing uh, them with uh, Rita, who would ride around the island with the pressed records in her bot and her um, her bicycle basket, selling them to stores and DJs and stuff. And so, getting that, what was really really rewarding about that is uh, when we put that illustration up, honey. Um, responded and said, it's like, I'm seeing my 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 history. And mm-hmm. and Bob's children with Rita saw it and they said, that's my mama. And you know, so grasping that and putting that together, I, it, I think it really has a lot of potential uh, as a comic. Um, Menelik's uh, script is really on point, really bringing out a lot of stuff, a lot of history that's overlooked. Um, the OAU, as far as the uh, African unity uh, that was uh, countries that were founded in, what was it, 62, 63, um, Haile Selassie. And it's interesting that Haile Selassie is the core and, and a pivotal character in terms of Rastafari, and reggae and Rastafari are not the same thing. A lot of people confuse them and conflate them, but they aren't. And then also go into uh, Ethiopia and the war against um, Italy in the late 30s, uh, how all that went down with the League of Nations, the League of Nations ignoring Ethiopia when they said this is not right. And, but Ethiopia, with uh, British help, also repulsing the Italians eventually. And it's interesting, we're really trying to be accurate with everything, and we talk about uh, Rastafari, but we also talk about um, the Coptic religion. And it's interesting that a lot of people think that uh, Catholicism is the oldest Christian organization still in existence. It is not. The Coptic Christian uh, faith precedes uh, what happened in Rome by about three decades. And a lot of that stuff is still in existence there in Ethiopia, like uh, Lalabella, the the uh, churches that are hewn out of stone. There, so, so all of this, including the geopolitics of it all, you know, like what was happening in the Kennedy White House, what was happening in Britain at this time period, it all goes into Line of Judah as a storytelling tool, but. It's done through the prism of popularity of uh, Bob, Peter, and Bunny, uh, the Wailers, the emergence of uh, reggae, and what is done as uh, a world power since.
3: Wow. So, um, you do a lot, put a lot of work into your comics, including research and stuff. What element of your work gives you the most personal satisfaction?
1: Nailing the storytelling. Uh, if, if you tell a story well and it resonates with people, that's most satisfying for me. Um, I would like to get rich with it too. I'm not a fool. Okay. Uh, And so that's 1B. But 1A, and I think you have to have 1A before 1B, especially if you're an indie. I don't have the luxury uh, of saying, uh, well, you know, DC is is underwriting this, so we don't have to worry about the numbers. We do have to worry about the numbers. But also, as you guys said before, there are times when uh, those comics are really, really well done and it's very exciting, and there are times when they can slide. Um, we can't let stuff slide if we're doing it ourselves. Yeah, and right. therefore, I, I try to make sure that this is... Uh, my principal goal, and hopefully by executing this principal goal well, the one B with the money will eventually come. I'm sure you guys will help with that. Everybody who watches this and listens to like, ooh, I got to buy his books. Oh yeah,
3: definitely. A
0: look. Yeah, hopefully we can help mm-hmm. with that. But um, you know, with all the research and all the work that you've done, you know, you know, with menthu, the roach, and you know what you're currently working on, line of uh, Judah. Um what would you say is the most rewarding project in your professional career whether it's in comics or out of comics and why?
1: Ooh, In comics, mm-hmm. uh I'd have to say the, the Roach uh for the reasons I've I've mentioned before. Um mm-hmm. uh in in that first uh in that four-issue arc and I'm doing another uh arc, lord have mercy on me, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um uh uh, I I had opportunities. I knew that the Roach was going to be popular when I was in college, and I, I played football when I was in college. Uh, and um, my senior year, well, Roach was in the literary magazines that uh, Butler University. Shout out to Butler University, Indianapolis Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I I got strong-armed into writing for uh, Butler's literary magazine called Manuscripts, because the advisor for Manuscripts was also my uh, advanced creative writing teacher. And I wrote a story, he liked it, and he he just gave it directly to the editor who was in the class. So it just just ran, and I was like, okay, whatever. It became the most popular thing in that issue. Uh, Manuscripts would come out once every semester. So I had him again for another class the next semester, and I realized, well, he really likes his character a lot, so it's an easy A, So, uh, but I worked hard. I, I put together a good story. I wrote it, ends up in manuscripts. Now, that was it. I was done with English as uh, a cognitive uh, discipline, as far as my major was concerned, and I was living off campus my senior year. I was like, I'm done with this stuff. I, So, <laughs> I was I was walking across uh, the quad and I hear somebody hollering my name and I look back and it was a friend of mine named Jennifer. She used to date a friend of mine and uh, she's catching up. She says, I'm I'm the editor for manuscript this year. I said, Well, congratulations, that's lovely for you. And she said, I need you to write another story about the roach. I'm like, Jennifer, I'm done with the English. I am not i this is my fun year. I'm not trying <laughs> And she said, please, 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 and please, and personally, please, and then I said, okay, I'll tell you what. If a good story comes to mind, I'll write it, but I can't guarantee anything. I had a great thought. It was fun. I was playing with uh, past and present tense and the uh, narrative voice and all that kind of stuff. It came together. People liked it. So I did that, and she said, Robert, you have to it. one more story now. You got to, Mike. This is last semester here. So I wrote one that was a cliffhanger. Fast forward to when it was published, and I'm in the cafeteria. And there's, you know, how people will segregate themselves. And so, football players were at this big table by themselves. And I walked up, and they're like, okay, okay. And they're, they're discussing stuff. I'm like, hey, what's up? What's up? They said, okay, Robert, you can answer this. I'm like, what? Does the roach liver die? I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I said, well, what do you guys think? And like half the table is like, he lived There's a this and this and then other guys were like, No, he wrote in here that this, and he got shot. And, a, and these guys are arguing. There's a dozen football players arguing on whether this character lives or dies in a literary magazine for our school. It's like there's something to this character that resonates.
3: Nice. And
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so, uh, he doesn't because I have to tell more stories, but, uh, he does get hurt badly, mm-hmm. but he, he survives. Okay. <laughs> and that's one cool thing about brooch is he's mortal and I show that he's mortal. I And as you can tell where you are in the storyline, because I allow him to have more and more scars as he goes on because he's at he's in a dangerous line of, of, well, it's not work. He's going free, but, um, mm-hmm. I I knew that I had a decent character, but I'm a black man, and I wanted some of my culture also in this thing that I thought would be well received, and so just what was cool about that first arc is I was able to infuse uh, a character and a storyline that dealt with uh, black soldiers in World War I. Uh, We think about the Tuskegee Airmen, we think about Buffalo Soldiers, and civil war, but people forget that blacks fought with valor in World War One. In fact, uh, a number of the black units in France, won, because they fought for the French there, won the highest awards from the French army than anybody. And so uh, I was able to... Use a character who saves the ropes. The roach gets shot and he's really in a bad situation and he's saved by a former soldier in the midst of this gunfight. And it at least allowed me to infuse some of this type of history And while we're still enjoying uh, the entertainment area of it all. So as far as comics are concerned, that would be uh, my biggest pride and joy so far. Um, in terms of the entertainment industry. Um, the things that I've done, and I'm really, really proud of. Uh, it's hard to talk about. Other than of Judah, I'm really, really pleased with it, but um, I've done stuff in the past and it hasn't been produced. Uh, I, I did, uh, I was uh, one of the main storyboard artists on a uh, feature animation. In fact, I did the last 30% of the movie and the climax and all that kind of stuff and turned it in. And the guys still haven't finished it. Um, did some really, really cool live action boards for a miniseries. Uh, that's like a mashup between, uh, Death Race 2000 and 24. And it's really, really cool. Um, they haven't produced it. So that's the bad side about the entertainment industry is you can do your job really well. After you hand it to the next person, and that uh, chain of development—if mm-hmm. they drop their ball, then well, you, at least you got you got your check.
2: That's all you can say.
3: Right,
2: right. I, I have two questions, Robert. First, mark marking. What was your major in college, by the way? Uh, my
1: major was in public and corporate communications. Uh, I, I used to uh-huh. tell my uh, my advisor there. Uh, Big love to uh, Miss Johnson, or I used to call her Miss J. Um, uh, I used to tell her I'm getting a BS and BS. <laughs> oh so, yeah, that that was
2: my major. That's Super cool. That's, that's so that's super cool because it's like it's so interesting to see that like you found your like you went for one thing, but then you found what you, your passion or you went to do. And that's the one of the things I like kind of want to highlight with the second question is like for those newcomers that are just their first projects coming up their first their first big break is what advice would you give them like if they're just going into it are like they're just trying to do their best
1: uh
2: know yourself
1: um question yourself uh be, and, and be honest with yourself um know the circumstances of the storytelling you're about to execute. Um, Don't be afraid to get input from other people. Not everybody who's trying to give you advice is trying to take over your project. At the same time, there are some people who are doing that. Know how to tell people no. Um, uh, Be humble, but not afraid um I uh, I think I do what I do fairly well, but I know that there are hundreds if not thousands of people who also do it very well and so when someone steps to me like uh, they st- uh, like they they stuff don't stank I'd see I didn't cuss again
3: um, <laughs> uh,
1: then I got a problem with you because I got a portfolio full of stuff that I can pull out on your ass. Um, At the same time, if you are coming to me and asking for input and you act like you've been there before and you're going to be there again, um, I'm more than happy to spend as much time as I possibly can with you. And so uh, have some discernment because this type of discernment will enable you to run something around really nicely. And uh, you might be able to holler at some people if you have comported yourself well, that'll help you out with some of your storytelling. Um, I had a a student of mine who, um, this was years ago at Otis, and um, she had no intention of really being a board artist, and she made that very, very clear. Uh, but she wanted Uh to get into the the magazine industry and really become an art director and such there. Uh, So I was surprised when it was time for her portfolio to be executed and she asked me to be uh, the faculty, uh, the the instructor overseeing that development. And um, my suggestion to her was since you wanna be in the magazine industry in this capacity, uh, why don't we create a magazine showing what you can do in terms of layout and these types of things? And um, she had taken a trip to Cuba and had photographs from there. I said, Why don't we use that, uh, almost like a travel log, to show what you can do? And as we were working on it, she ran into uh, creative block. And the way that I got it out of her, I, I got her out of it. I said, Okay. I know you hate it, but go back to storyboarding. Think about what we tried to do in storyboarding. Think about how you're trying to lay this out. Maybe the problem on this page isn't on this page. Maybe it's on the prior page or the upcoming page. And if we fix that problem, then the problems on this page will be fixed and our flow will be resumed. And she did that. She did well. You know, like, fast forward uh, about a decade later, I saw her on LinkedIn, or she gave me a shout-out. And she's a senior uh, art editor at a magazine on the East Coast. So be, don't be afraid to take all of that information from a variety of places that will help you develop your story well. Because it's about the story at the end of the line. It's about the story.
3: Well, you seem very experienced, and um, I was wondering, like, what's the most important big idea that you've learned in life overall, in or out of comics, and why you think that's the big idea and why it's important?
1: Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if this is the biggest idea I know, but I, I know that it's timely. Um, not everybody who disagrees with you dislikes you. Uh, we, we live in a world right now where if I disagree with you, I am automatically seen as your enemy. And that's one of the most ignorant things, most ignorant ways to approach life. You It's just stupid. Uh, I don't even agree with my own damn self all the time. So how can I expect somebody to agree with me Meet all the time when I can't do that with myself. And if we can get to the point where we can say, I don't agree with you on that, but that's okay. Because you probably don't agree with me on something. And I hope that's okay with you. And and, and do that and you know, say, cool. Well, then what's the next conversation we're going to have? Oh, well, let's talk about sports. Let's talk about if we could have that degree of decorum and civility, um, that would be better. And it starts off by saying, hey, I don't have every answer. I'm conflicted on a lot of things. Why wouldn't that be expected in someone else? Why do I expect perfection in someone else when I don't demand it of myself? And if we can look at whatever you believe it could be religion it could be lack of religion it could be politics it could be social strata it could be whatever um but if we could start to uh check out our own selves first like smell your own funk first before you start talking to somebody you know <laughs> start commenting somebody else about their funk. you know uh it's great like don't talk about somebody else's toothpick in eye when you got a big two-by-four sticking out of yours. Right. No? Come on, now. Come on. I think that's, if we started there, then people who are atheists and agnostic and of faith and all that kind of stuff can really get along. You're know, like, uh, I am deeply involved in my faith. <clears throat> However, I have a friend who's atheist. We're good friends. We have great conversations. We have very thoughtful things to say to and from each other, and we love each other. I was there. Uh, in fact, we were at Comic Con. Um, and I'm, I'm going to get a little emotional, but we were at Comic Con tearing down my booth from Artist Alley when he got the phone call that his dad had passed away. And you know, what do you say to a brother? I've I've had that experience. And I know what that feels like. I know the profundity of that. You know, and all I could say to you, man, is I love you and I'm praying for you. And he said to me, Robert, I know what you mean, and I can accept that from you. That's it. I didn't have to say anything more to him. That's what he needed to hear. He knew I was his friend. Why can't we just be like this? That that's what that's what I think of him.
0: Wow, that's uh, <clears throat> that was kind of deep, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, when last you question.
1: You asked me to be deep. What you want? <laughs> okay. I went outside. I slipped a bust in my ass. No. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Nah, that that was really profound. That was really profound, and I appreciate that that um answer to that question. I really do. Um, I have one more question. If no one else has any questions, I have a, a last question for you. Is um, so, at the end of it, Robert, uh, where do you see Menthu, The Roach, um, even line of Judah? Where do, you, where do you see all of your work going? Like, do you expect to see it, you know, 10, 20 years from now? Do you expect to see, like, an adaptation somewhere from all your work? Or do you expect to see a lot of uh, African American kids say, hey, man, look, this is what I'm reading now? Like, okay, yeah, I used to read DC when I was a lot younger. Or, you know, my, my parents introduced me to DC, but this is where I'm at now, and this is what I'd rather be reading. You know where do you see your work going, and who do you, and do you really want it to touch? You know everyone differently, or however you want everyone to pull whatever you want. You know, they pull they pull from that.
1: And uh, that's really I've never I've never heard that question. So very very cool. Thank you for making me think of it. <laughs> uh, I I would like a lot of the things that you said, and I'll, I'll piggyback on them. I would like uh, for Number of people to be able to enjoy what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, in various media, um, I have had some people come to me and say, Hey, can we develop this, this way or that way? And you're like, we'll see where it goes. Um, I'll, I'll keep you informed. Um, and that's great. Um, I, I appreciate the, Passion that the African American audience has for Menthu because, uh, as I've mentioned, a lot of what I've done in the book is not being seen elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it's also interesting to me that a good 70% of the audience for the book is non black. And it's interesting that, yes, you too, baby. Good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And and, and I hope that is that you know, like some things get really black. It's very black. And you you can feel exclusory, and I don't want that. I want it to feel. I want it to be inclusive. I love people to come to my cookout. If you know how to act, just really? come and act, enjoy the cookout. You no. Know? And if you don't know how to act, I don't care if you are black too. You got to leave. You don't know how to play. Uh-huh. You don't know how to play spades even. Yeah, you got. to I'm don't No bid whiz. You don't even know how to play space. You got to leave the cookout. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like I wanted to be inclusive in this manner. Um, and yeah, I do want other people checking it out. I, I appreciate you mentioning it that way because I've had stupendous writers and artists come to me and say, hey, man, can I play around with Menthu? I'm like, yeah. I mean, when you have a guy like Jeff Thorne, wrote was one of the principal writers on the librarians back in the day on leverage who's doing uh who's the head writer on uh, marvel animation project uh who cracked into the industry by coming in and he didn't win the grand prize i think he got first prize in a star trek novella contest back in the day and like that's he comes up and says, Hey, can I play around with Menthu? He said, Yeah. That it resonates enough for professionals like him, professionals like Hannibal, a friend of mine named Andre Owens, who uh runs uh Hero Unlimited comics, another indie. These folks, Todd Harris, a real good friend of mine, concept artist, storyboard artist, was one of the storyboard artists on uh Thor Ragnarok. Coming over and say. Hey, can I play around with Menthu? No. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know? So and uh uh Brianna, they did the work in number seven, the black and white story. That was really cool. Yes. Didn't they kick ass with that? And it they was
3: too- did. It was really like like it was it was really pretty. I like
1: uh-huh.
3: I just yeah. really liked it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And then, then I did the backup story, the one that's all color and uh with the Acadian gods fighting. The Egyptian gods, I mean, it just worked. You know, when when you have people like that who say um, the creative commodity you're making resonates with me, uh, then I think I've done something well. And I just hope that we can stay around long enough and we can gain enough momentum and enough uh, financial and critical acclaim to continue doing it I think that uh, what you mentioned will definitely happen because it's just gotten such a wave going forward. Same thing with The Roach. I've had Jeff wants to do stuff on The Roach. Uh, A friend of mine, Dale Wilson, would like to write a story with The Roach. The fact that other creators whom I highly respect want to play around with it. Or um, I have a, a black barbarian thing that I'm doing set in prehistory. He's called ethereal. And I have guys like Hannibal and a different writer friend named Thaddeus Howes and and Jeff coming up and say, hey, can we play around with that? It encourages me to think that creative commodity is strong and entertaining. Uh, we just have to make sure that more people know about it. And
0: we can move stuff. Right. Hopefully we can do our part here on Earth, too, to help you move stuff. I'm
1: honored by the opportunity.
0: Oh, no, thank you very much for coming on the show. I mean, again, it's not like, you know, you're already there with the um, acclaim and the awards. You know, Mike uh, Mike Hammersky has, you know, uh, did a review on The Roach. Um, You won the glyph for The Roach. Uh, Tony Isabella did a review for The Roach. So, you you know, the acclaim is already there. Also, um, James Mishler did a review for Menthu. So the claim is already there. Yeah. You know, we're just, hey. you know, at this point, we're looking forward to what comes next. And hopefully, you know, this, what have we've plenty. done, hopefully what we've what done, we yes, hopefully what we've done here, you know, can help, you know, and you know, this is, it's really, really awesome. I'm really sure Brianna is like excited to have you and ask all the questions. Ziggy also, and myself, you know, most definitely.
2: Thank you Nobody. so much. Yes.
0: Thank you very much. Cause That's you have nice given us a lot to think about. And, uh, I hope the listeners and, you know, people who be watching this also have a lot to think about. Also, um, there's a little surprise because I was talking to Robert, you know, via email. And, you know, we might be doing a giveaway of one of his books for a lucky listener. And, you know, hopefully with that, you'll be able to look into what he's done and, you know, go go forward and support more of his work. Again, I want to thank you very much, Robert, for coming on and, you know, telling us your story and telling us how you started and telling us where you are right now. And you know, walking us through the menthu, the roach, and also what you know, all the stuff coming up next. I really, really do appreciate your, you know, your, you know, you taking the time to come on Earth too. Um, Brianna and Ziggy, I'm sure appreciate it. Do you have any words you have to, you want to say to Robert before we sign out?
2: Oh, like always, thank you, man. Uh, I feel like you, <laughs> thanking us. I, we, you're the star here, so thank you <laughs> for being on the show. And everybody, read his stuff, try it out. Go out and read new stuff. Get out of your comfort yeah. zone. Do new stuff. That's the only way how we can grow this kind of stuff is that we try new things. Right. So make Robert one of them. Make Robert's stuff one of them.
0: Right. Brie?
3: Um, I mean they've all, all already said it. Thank you. And I like I love Menthu. So keep writing. Okay. Thank
1: you very much. No, thank you. Wait, wait do you see. Wait. Uh, you didn't pick up uh the anger of angels, but when you have uh demigod. An uh, angry angel and a demon all together. Oh man, I'm
2: so excited! So, I'm gonna, yeah, uh, no, I know. how oh, no, much that I one. love. I know God Ziggy's gonna pick so that much. one because he loves God. Uh, I, I love it so much. <laughs> I appreciate uh, it that, like so no one research done into it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The right. Research I'm, is
3: very like obvious in the story though. Like I did not know that like the names I already knew were just Greek versions of the names, and like yeah. I.
1: I read a lot of mythology when I was younger, and I didn't know that, so really cool. Still love you, little dog. Don't worry about that. Still
0: love you. <laughs> great, great. So you, you hear us gushing about, you know, you know the stuff. I know um, Bree, for one, has read, you know, was at the uh, convention, and she met him, and she read the stuff. So she knows firsthand, and we're all going to get into it. So thank you again, Robert, for taking the time. Again, your story is really awesome. Um, we're looking forward to see more stuff from you. Hopefully, we can have you come back we'll again you. and share, you know, new stuff when we have new stuff. Um, again. Earth two. All right. Uh, down in the description, um, box or description bar, we're gonna find, I'm gonna drop all his information, everything that I have, even the rewards and acclaims, um, uh, from yes. Mr. Robert. I'm gonna drop everything down there for you guys where you can find him. He's on Twitter, he's on Instagram. All those will be down there in the description bar. Again, you can listen to Earth 2's, um, This Week in Comics podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, Podcast, TuneIn, Google Play Music. Wherever you find your podcast at, you can can listen to us there. Uh, YouTube, Earth2ComicCast, and the website earth 2 cccom I'm going to have a lot of information off this interview coming for you. So please, please, please expect a lot. And again, support Earth2 and Earth2, um, listeners of Earth2, fans of Earth2, support robert roach because he's doing great work again this is uh black history month this week in comics special um thank you guys for listening we will catch you on the next one we're out peace
2: bye people.